0: Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. Today we'll be discussing why the demise of the dollar narrative is a little bit too sensationalist and it's been going on for several decades now, and we'll explain why it's misguided. <music> to kick things off, we invoke the infamous quote of Mark Twain when uh, His death was falsely reported, uh, where he famously said, the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. The reports of the dollar's death have similarly been greatly exaggerated. Uh, The U.S. dollar as it stands right now is deeply entrenched in global financial plumbing. And here at the Bitcoin layer, we recognize the role of the dollar, uh, and its prominence at the, within the world at large, not only being the largest and most liquid fixed income market in the entire world, uh, but also um, having global interest rates really bend at the whim of uh, U.S. dollar financial markets, whether that's the Federal Reserve setting interest rates and also the uh, variety of U.S. Treasury interest rates as well. So for now, the notion of uh, China or Russia eminently dethroning it are, are really a far cry from reality, if nothing else. We're going to put a quote up on the screen here. Uh, This is an excerpt from a New York Times article that came out following Nixon's departure from the gold standard in August 6, 1971. And the quote reads that Arthur M. O'Conn, he was the chairman of the Council of Economic Affairs under President Johnson, and he said he could not say to what degree other currencies would rise in value relative to the dollar, but he was certain they would rise. And so this narrative is nothing new, this notion of a dying dollar because uh, it hasn't been pegged to gold or whatever other reasons, right? rampant inflation, horrible fiscal and monetary policy, all these other things uh, that have been used to uh, sort of uh, bash the dollar and bash uh, the, the people who sort of set the price of it in U.S. dollar capital markets and how hegemony is so bad for the world, this idea has been pervasive across the globe that the dollar is going to die. Well, if you take a look here at the US dollar index over the last uh, uh, 50 some odd years, 55 years now, back since uh, 1968, this chart goes back to You can see that the dollar is uh, essentially flat, right, ever since that post Bretton Woods era where we've uh, essentially allowed the dollar to fluctuate freely against gold. And uh, with that basically allow for, uh, you know, now going on uh, 52 years of price discovery for global currencies um, and the dollar remains king of the universe right? when it comes to currencies half a century later. Right, so the U.S. dollar, even after departing the gold standard, which many would think would, would cause extreme capital flight, it didn't. Right, and largely that's a component of the liquidity profile of the U.S. dollar that it, that it was imbued with in the 30 years uh, moving from Bretton Woods to the departure from the gold standard. Right, basically all of this global financial plumbing had uh, retrenched itself around the dollar after World War II, which was sort of a global monetary reset. After all of these countries had engaged in war, they really uh, came together um, you know, in, uh, at Bretton Woods in New Hampshire uh, in order to discuss what the new monetary order would look like. And that's essentially why the U.S. dollar had the ability over 30 some odd years till 1971 uh, to really gain the traction and gain the liquidity profile um, that is basically it's benefiting from today. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. So the U.S. dollar uh, is globally entrenched to the nth degree. Uh, you know, again, it helms the most deep, uh, the deepest and most liquid uh, fixed income market in the world. Um, which means, you know, it provides securities that receive a healthy structural bid from basically every capital allocator who has dollars on their balance sheet, both sovereign and non-sovereign, you know, so even as we talk about this great sovereign debt bubble bursting, which is another narrative that we don't necessarily agree with here at the Bitcoin layer, uh, you still see a continuous bid from emerging markets and capital allocators uh, just generally around the world, uh, particularly from G10 nations, Europe, Japan, Uh, not Europe, uh, the United Kingdom and Japan, they continue allocating capital to U.S. treasuries en masse, right? Despite this notion of the death of the dollar and this extreme divestment um, from U.S. treasuries, you have to look a little bit harder beyond the headlines uh, in order to recognize uh, what's actually going on here. Um, And the reality is there's still a very, very strong structural demand for these instruments uh, at home and abroad, particularly. So lending is collateralized by dollars and dollar uh, dollar denominated assets, uh, particularly U.S. treasuries, foreign nations and their businesses purchase them and world interest rates bend at their whim. Uprooting this critical financial in- infrastructure would not only be lengthy, it costly and disruptive, um, you know, but stepping aside from all of that. Uh, the u.s dollar currently works for what it was intended to do there's no clear reason for another national currency to displace the u.s dollar as the world's primary reserve currency now again this goes against the grain this goes against the grain because people will uh they'll point to inflation money printing all of these uh clips of uh, central bankers particularly in the united states uh you know post great financial crisis all of the, the the debauchery that they've caused and they'll say how could the u.s dollar still be in the position that it is Uh, And the reality is uh, it still functions for what it was designed to do. And that's lubricate global trade and financial markets with deep enough liquidity. With all this in mind, uh, today we beg the question, will the real dollar replacement please stand up? And essentially what we're doing here, what I'm doing here uh, is going through a substack that I wrote earlier today that can be found at the bitcoinlayer.substack.com. Basically, you can get all of my thoughts in, uh, in written form there. And also I do an audio narration. So this is now my third time going over the material today, uh, but I do want to present it to our viewers uh, over at the Bitcoin Layer YouTube channel. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, and the the origin of these ideas uh, are uh, not only our own here at the Bitcoin Layer, but also those of Michael Pettis's uh, on his recent Twitter thread. Um, you can find that uh, in the link below in the description. So uh, the first thing we're going to talk about, uh, de-dollarization, right? This uh, sort of notion that's been floated around for Several decades at this point, as we said, mentioned in 1971, the term itself has come about uh, within the last decade or so. Um, it's actually looking more like redollarization, right? This notion that you know central banks are divesting on mass from treasuries. Certainly, some are, but on the other on the other half of the spectrum, uh, emerging markets, other capital allocators, they have no problem scooping those up. Um, You know uh when it comes to foreign exchange reserves which are the assets that central banks hold on their balance sheet um and they utilize it for uh utilize them for several things um uh, particularly two things uh, foreign exchange defense so when your currency is getting devalued you have assets denominated in another currency to defend the value of your own pretty simple and the second is global trade right lubricating global trade Uh, And the U.S. dollar and dollar assets, like U.S. treasuries, they compose the majority of global FX reserves. The majority of the assets used by central banks and held in their balance sheet uh, in reserve uh, are U.S. dollars and dollar assets. Because any way you slice it, that's how global trade works. That's how it functions. Um, And essentially, and I'll, I'll mention this again later, but trying to sort of uproot all of the world's financial infrastructure it's not like pulling out a video game cartridge blowing on it and then putting another one in that's that's it's not how it 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 works right these these relationships are so complex and so convoluted um you know that it that it would be near impossible to do this without extreme disruption right it's like trying to uh it's trying to replace a plane engine while the plane is still in flight and as of right now if both engines are are functioning fine sure there's some sputtering here and there it's not the most comfortable flight right uh particularly for citizens who are very battered by inflation um uh, you know in in, uh, in other poor fiscal and monetary policy decisions that sometimes we have here domestically um, they're, they're much worse elsewhere right so it's a rather bumpy flight but it 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 it's uh, sort of nonsensical it doesn't make sense at this current moment in time to begin replacing the engines while they're still functional. Um, now you could take here uh, take a look here at this chart uh, this is allocated reserves by currency for the third quarter of 2022 as you can see here uh, in the deep blue the United States dollar reigns supreme and then uh, the prince euro also uh, is right there. So dollar is king, the euro is prince, and then everything else uh, takes up a relatively small slice. Um, Now we'll talk about nations who are sort of adversarial uh, when it comes to U.S. dollar hegemony, and they're trying to, uh, or hegemony. You say hegemony, hegemony, whatever. I I suppose it can be pronounced both ways, just to save face. But uh, there are two nations that are really sort of challenging this right now. One of them is Russia. We've heard Russia, 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 terrifying, whatever. Um, They're one of the two major adversarial nations, along with China, that are trying to circumnavigate this U.S. dollar hegemony. Um, They want to break from the need to use the U.S. dollar for international trade. Um, And in 2018, it sold virtually all of its treasuries, and it's been steadily accumulating gold instead. As you can see here, this chart on the screen, Russia's U.S. Treasury holdings have dropped to virtually zero. Um, They went from owning hundreds of billions to now just $2.1 So basically, chump change. Um, So obviously, this was a somewhat wise decision, right? It it, it sort of insulates Russia from um, the the freezing of foreign exchange reserves, uh, U.S. Treasuries particularly. It didn't stop other nations from feasing its central bank reserve, uh, FX reserves. In fact, Russia custodies the majority of its FX reserves outside of its country. And as a result of that, <laughs> the majority of them were uh, frozen after it invaded Ukraine. Um, so despite selling all of its U.S. treasuries, it still wasn't able to escape sort of uh, this idea of, uh, of Western economic sanctions. It was also cut off from SWIFT. So, so uh, you know, interbank transactions, you, you can't do any messaging into or out of Russia um, as a bank. Um, You know, uh, sort of these impositions that were created uh, by the war onto uh, Russia from Western nations. Um, And as of right now, you could see down here, uh, they've been accumulating other FX reserves, right? It's not as if, um, uh, you know, all all of them have have gone away, just U.S. treasuries. Uh, You could see here they still have a total of $594.6 billion in assets, uh, a large part of which have been frozen by the West, You know, the whole move here with Russia was divesting from the U.S. dollar, becoming less reliant on it. But wait a second. If we take a look at the amount of dollar-denominated assets they have on their balance sheet, they still have 16.4% of their FX reserves denominated in dollars. That's strange. I was under the impression that by selling U.S. treasuries, it was a statement to the world that they no longer needed the dollar. But by this account, they clearly do. Right? As I said earlier, and as I'll say several more times, if you want to trade, it's going to be in dollars, whether you wh- whatever way you slice it. Um, we're going to talk about uh, some of the coalitions that are coming up that are trying to uh, circumnavigate that on a, a several country level, right? Trying to create a new form of globalization, a new form of uh, you know international alliance that has nothing to do with the U.S. dollar. But as of right now, uh, you know it's still in its very very infant stages, and in saying that it's going to imminently deplace the dollar or displace the dollar uh, is is sort of a misguided idea. So Russia. Uh, sell, sold all of its USTs but US Treasuries but despite that it still has a dependence on US dollar denominated assets in its foreign exchange reserves right you know it, it, in order to sell what it produces and purchase what it needs dollars are an absolute necessity you know it's a very tall order to stop using the world's primary settlement currency when you're one of the only ones abstaining from it. And therein lies the problem for other nations who are attempting to do the same, like China, who similarly wants to move away from the dollar and begin using its own currency, the yuan, also known as the renminbi, uh, to uh, facilitate trade to and from, and it wants to do the majority of its international trade in yuan. Uh, so China's central bank has a little bit more voting power here. Um, they have a staggering $3.127 in central bank reserves, Central uh, Central Bank foreign exchange reserves, rather, uh, that is the largest foreign exchange reserve in the world at the PBOC, the, the People's Bank of China. Um not so much the people's bank now is it that's a communist country anyway uh compared to the u.s naming conventions right um but compared to the u.s uh, it's extremely large the united states only has an fx reserve pot of 247 billion um so obviously china has a huge amount of fx reserves and that's just the natural byproduct of uh, of being one of the largest centers for global trade you need to have a lot of assets on hand to lubricate that trade um and despite China's slew of incentives to break free from dollar hegemony, um, a substantial portion of those assets, just like Russia, still need to be dollar denominated. Right? As you can see here on the graph, uh, China's U.S. Treasury holdings, despite uh, sell it, try, attempting to sell them off, uh, you know, it's still got a hearty $870 billion on its balance sheet. And sure, it has winded them down, uh, but ultimately it's going to fall into much of the same trap that Russia has. Right, Regardless of whether you'd like to deal in dollars, If you're going to grow as a nation, you need to be utilizing the currency that's embedded across all of global finance, especially in China's position, right? Being ravaged economically uh, over the past three years with its zero COVID policy and its demographics that mean it's going to shrink as a nation over the next several uh, decades. And so it's very incumbent that China plays ball. China plays the dollar game. Uh, but as of right now, China is backing itself into a corner. Its position as the the largest holder of uh, FX reserves unintuitively makes it actually more reliant on the U.S. dollar uh, and, and, and that the U.S. dollar sticks around for international trade. Um, because, uh, obviously, it holds uh, an obscene amount of U.S. dollars on its balance sheet. It's the primary composition of its balance sheet. And, again, if you want to purchase what other people have and you want to sell what you have, uh, you need U.S. dollars. And and for a country like China that needs that growth, that needs that access growth in any way possible, um, with your demographics absolutely waning and your economy uh, very, very uh, teetering on the edge essentially right now, um, uh, the position that you don't want to be in is the position that they're in currently, which is essentially trying to uh, grow less reliant on that system that they need in order to grow. Um, so, so loose fiscal and monetary policy in the U.S., despite everyone's best estimate, has not created an exorbitant loss of faith in the dollar or a mass exodus from dollar capital markets, as some have suggested. Uh, to the contrary, there has been no de-dollarization. Over the last two decades, the proportion of global FX reserves denominated in dollars is flat. You can see the first chart here, the world currency composition of FX reserves. Obviously, you see uh, U.S. dollars, euro, renminbi, yuan, pound sterling. They're all growing throughout the last uh, 23 years. But if you, if you look at the second chart here, the world currency composition of FX reserves uh, broken down by a percentage on a percentage by percentage basis, uh, essentially, what was occurring uh, from 1999 to 2014, roughly, was that uh, as nations divested from the dollar, they weren't necessarily allocating into other uh, 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 currencies per se. Um, some were purchasing hard assets like gold and some were leaving their reserves just unallocated, right? They, they had these reserves that were denominated in their own currency. They were unallocated reserves. And beginning in 2014, we've seen net buying of U.S. dollars into foreign uh, foreign exchange reserves by central banks. Despite Russia selling, you know, despite Russia completely dropping all of its uh, foreign exchange dollars from its foreign exchange reserves and dollar assets, despite China working to do the same very regularly, you could see here that other nations are happy to pick them right back up from China and Russia. And China and Russia themselves can't divest from them to the degree that they need to because the harsh reality is, If you want to trade, it's going to be in dollars. If you want to not sacrifice your productivity on the world stage and sacrifice your ability to grow at the pace at which you were, which neither of these nations seem willing to do, at least China has for the last three years, then dollars are the game that you have to play. And emerging markets understand this. They've been some of the largest bidders of US treasuries over the last several years. Japan understands this, apart from the last uh, several months of net selling as it defends its own uh, currency peg, with the yen uh, being extremely devalued, and uh, uh, most of Europe understands. United Kingdom understand it, understands this. <clears throat> Every nation that's very serious about growing economically knows that they need to have dollar assets on hand, and they need to continue accumulating them, uh, you know, at, at a relatively steady rate in order to be viable in the capital market game. <clears throat> um, China and Saudi Arabia's uh, ever-present trade surpluses, right, um, year after year, uh, they don't matter, right, necessarily. They're net producers, uh, but ultimately, what are other nations going to buy there? Product in their goods, their services, their commodities, Um, they're going to buy them in dollars, regardless of domicile, regardless of where these purchasers live, which means that nations must hold US dollars and be active in US dollar capital markets. They got to play the game. Whether we like it or not, we live in US dollar hegemony. And proponents of the dollar's demise will will most recently point to Xi Jinping's visits to Saudi Arabia uh, and talks of purchasing oil and paying for it with their NMB, again, as a signal. Of the dollar's demise uh, but with the chi- with China being the largest oil importer obviously this seems like the most substantial news of the 21st century and while it's not nothing right the notion of imminent displacement of the petrodollar, dollar which is this uh, national currency regime of paying for uh, energy products in the dollar uh, it's misplaced <clears throat> to say the very least both nations run current account surpluses right and they need to continue purchasing securities from the US and other current account deficit countries in order for the global pa- balance of payments to balance right you know this is a necessity there needs to be this bid uh, from nations who have capital account surpluses uh, into securities from nations who have capital account deficits current account deficits rather um, and the united states is the beneficiary of all of that we run a structural current account deficit we have for uh you know several decades at this point um, and that's because uh, of the position that we're in and what what the u.s dollar is the world reserve currency needs to be uh, a currency of a nation who has the ability to weather and uh, stomach the persistent current account deficits, and that's what, that's what the United States does. Um, and also proponents of de-dollarization will will similarly point to Russia's move to accept yuan for oil as cannon fodder for the petro yuan, right? Um, but but it's disingenuous to say the very least, as it was likely, uh, you know, it was less likely a voluntary move right to, to build the new world order new currency regime uh it, it was likely bred out of a state of necessity right <laughs> obviously all of the western world completely ceased purchase of russian uh of russian crude following its uh, invasion of ukraine you know this means that russia is not at all in the driver's seat in this trade deal it just needed to sell its oil um you know this uh, in china was willing to, to to purchase it at a discount so long as russia purchased it in yuan uh it just needed to sell its oil right um, the, the move to accept yuan for oil was more so out of economic necessity. Uh, it shouldn't be taken as a sign of the shifting tide towards the yuan as a U.S. dollar replacement. Right? In reality, the yuan accounts for a measly 2.88% of global FX reserves. Right? Very, very small, not nearly deep and liquid enough to settle a fraction of the global trade that the U.S. dollar settles every single day. And as I said before, you don't change uh, the engines on a plane when you're in mid-flight. Nations simply won't drop everything and shift gears into another currency that's barely liquid uh, to sustain daily trade volumes without wild volatility. Right? And they're certainly not going to do that without pumping the brakes on economic growth around the world, uh, and that would be extremely disruptive. Not to mention the yuan is not a fully convertible currency. It doesn't trade freely. Right? The Chinese government restricts yuan activity. Its capital account is locked right you 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 simply can't have a currency such as that as the world reserve currency as the largest world reserve currency the primary one rather uh so really this dollar replacement is is uh something of a mexican standoff right there are several different countries that want the dollar spot uh, but they have no reason to cooperate with one another every single one wants to be the world reserve currency right people talk about the BRICS alliance between brazil russia india china south africa right all these emerging markets um that are, uh, you know, sort of attempting a coalition to bring about a new monetary order. But in actuality, there isn't a reason to cooperate among any of these individuals, right? They all want the spot that the dollar has. The reason they want to exit the dollar is because they want to be in the position that the dollar is. They don't want to create a U.S. dollar 2.0, right? Brazil doesn't want to kowtow to China with the Yuan. Brazil uh, wants its own currency uh, to be the world reserve currency right you know the, these countries aren't cooperating out of a need to exit the dollar they're they're cooperating quote unquote because each of them wants the spot that the dollar has and that can't work it's a mexican standoff um you know it's really Br- BRICS in its current form is basically sort of like this ant farm uh form of globalization right the us uh, the, uh, all around the world uh you know global trade is uh, so deeply interconnected and BRICS is sort of like a, a, an experiment to see if that can occur outside of the us dollar's purview um, but again, this is a Mexican standoff, right? There's no clear strategy for an individual country to achieve victory over the dollar in the absence of cooperation of which there is none. Uh, of course it's still in its infant stages, but as of right now, this, this is the, this is the terrain, right? And a lot of this video is extremely contrarian. Uh, but again, we, we want to give it to you how it is. And we want to tell you the reality that the United States dollar is King and chances are it'll stay that way for quite some time. Every major U.S. currency, every major international currency, rather, throughout history has been issued by a political democracy of some kind, right? And a basket of currencies backed by commodities, in our view, like BRICS is uh, proposing and China is proposing, and Russia, Uh, China and Russia are sort of subliminally imposing that uh, through purchasing uh, gold reserves and sort of pseudo-backing their currency with a hard money. Um, In our view, it's not a suitable replacement using history as our judge. Um, nor are the ruble and renminbi because of their issue of stringent capital controls, as spoken, pre- spoken about previously. Um, now, we do view Bitcoin as a sensible alternative, uh, as a, a base layer reserve asset uh, that will achieve adoption as an international settlement rail over the next several decades. Uh, we've written several articles about that over at the thebitcoinlayer.substack.com, which is our primary source for all of our markets research. We also have this YouTube channel to put some of that in video format like we're doing today. Uh, but we've spoken about this several times. Uh, and through the years, Bitcoin as a settlement layer has uh, improved, uh, settling uh, uh, last year over $8 trillion, processed by the Bitcoin network last year. Obviously, that doesn't hold a candle to other monetary networks, uh, Visa or let alone SWIFT, but again, it's growing exponentially year after year. And with technologies like the Lightning Network, that's proliferating even further. And that's why we talk about it so ardently. We talk about traditional finance because it's important to know what is going on in in macro, uh, you know, and today we're talking about global currency regimes because Bitcoin exists in a universe of other assets um, and other factors. And that's why we talk about it. And that's why we want you to understand it. But also, Bitcoin is uh, readily monetizing in the background, and this is one of the areas that Bitcoin really shines. Any dollar replacement would also need to be large and liquid enough that its daily fluctuations, obviously due to trade settlement, aren't disrupted to the nation's economic activity. And thanks to the dollar, uh, you know, uh, otherwise the issuing nation would back away from the role of being the uh, world reserve currency, that the, the primary world settlement currency. And today, the U.S. dollar is the only currency that fits the bill, right? Relaxed capital controls, a persistent current account deficit and a large enough liquidity profile to weather volatility storms while keeping critical financial plumbing intact. The dollar is the only thing that has those three things. Do we do threes like this or threes like th- threes like this or this? Doesn't matter. The dollar is entrenched, right? is what, what we're saying the unique uh, confluence of circumstances has allowed the dollar to exist in the way that it does. And as the world decentralizes, as it deglobalizes, as it's currently on track to doing, uh, to doing so it seems, um, currently on track to do so it seems, uh, it'll become more, not less entrenched. Right. This is because of the neutral, relative neutrality of the dollar. We described ad- the adversarial dynamic between countries above. No nation's going to accept another nation's small, relatively illiquid currency because it narrows the options available in U.S. dollar financial markets. Again, this thing is entrenched. People are going to accept dollars even as the world deglobalizes. Uh, that's generally the idea. The, the dollar remains default because it's perceived as neutral in a decentralizing world. Um, additionally, the, the idea that a group of countries, all of whom have different interests, can displace the dollar's position is a stretch, Right. Um, you know, this is why we have one primary settlement currency, not several, not a basket, um, a unique set of circumstances, as mentioned previously, unlikely to be replicated again, has created the dollar's hegemonic position in this big spaghetti of global finance, right? The dollar is here to stay. And the last thing we're going to talk about today, this has been a very long video, but I appreciate you sticking with me, um, is that liquidity is what makes a world reserve currency viable. Both Russia and China are purchasing gold for their reserves to bolster their perception of their currencies. Right, they're they're buying gold to sort of pseudo back it with a hard money and attract capital to their financial markets. Right, but they're barking up the wrong tree. Right, they want to become, uh, they want to free themselves from the dollar, but they're barking up the wrong tree. An efficient medium of exchange like the dollar doesn't have to be the world's greatest store of value, right? The dollar fluctuates wildly within a range. We, we saw that DXY chart earlier uh, relative to other currencies, but its spot as a world reserve currency, the world's main medium of exchange rather is unchanged. Uh, what matters most is liquidity. And Chinese renminbi, China's renminbi has none of that. Right, it's measly 2.37% of global trade settlement. Absolutely pales in comparison to the 40% plus of global payments that are settled by the U.S. dollars. You could see in this chart right here, the renminbi is the fifth most widely used global payments currency. Still, a fraction of a fraction of what even the euro settles. Now, the dollar is king expressly because it attracted global liquidity at Bretton at the Bretton Woods Agreement. Right, Uh, this came after a great global monetary reset that was World War II. We'll wrap it up with talking about what we did in the beginning right after world war ii the world was in shambles There needed to be a great monetary reset the united states dollar stepped in and since then the advancement in technology in financial plumbing the dollar is thousands hundreds of thousands millions of layers deep uh, within this uh, global financial plumbing and to uproot it would be disruptive to say the very least disruptive costly and as of right now there isn't a reason for it no amount of gold backing or non-dollar trade networks will, trade, will, will change the reality of the dollar's unmatched depth of liquidity. Unless we experience the complete abandonment of all existing financial plumbing, it, it's here to stay. And that's the reality, right? The dollar genie is not only out of the bottle, but it's spent the last 79 years developing a complex global network that relies upon it for daily functioning. And, and that simply can't be displaced by unplugging the USD cartridge and replacing it with the CNY one, or the RUB one. right? Where the dollar has achieved the most liquid market for collateral in the world, the Chinese yuan and ruble appear in less than 4% of global FX reserves. Where the U.S. open capital account attracts all the world's talent, China's closed capital account and Russia's minimal growth prospects aren't roping in the same capital allocators. The hamster wheel of dollar dominance keeps spinning for now. And that's the reality of it, folks. Thanks again for watching this video. We really appreciate it. Make sure to stick here at the Bitcoin Layer and go to the bitcoinlayer.com/slash subscribe to not only subscribe to this YouTube channel, but also our Substack publication so you'll get all the latest as it comes out. Thanks again. Take care.